This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. I have in my office today Jim and Pam Lightfoot. I'm so glad to have you both here to interview you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Um, so I just have a few questions. Uh, we're going to do your interview a little bit different than I have with other couples. Um, we're going to talk about your faith and your uh, your life as a couple at the same time. So okay. we're going to kind of go back and forth with questions as I've said on all the rest of my podcasts, the goal has been that I'm doing this to collect data as to how people came into their faith. And the other side of this is, is that I'm, I do a lot of couples counseling with premarital counseling. When they, get to mar- when they get ready to get married, they have to come visit with me about five times. And sometimes it's nice for young couples to be able to hear how couples that have been together for a long time, um, how they make it work. And... When it didn't work, what did they do to help it, you know? Yeah. So um, so let's just kind of get started. So let's start with the number one. Um, how did you two meet? Well, that was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, a friend of mine and I were uh, on a temporary duty assignment, which had been sent to Altus Air Force Base. And... Uh, the, while we were there, they said it was extremely boring being there, and we were told that there was uh, going to be a concert featuring Eileen Farrell, who used to be with the Metropolitan Opera, would be singing with the Lawton Philharmonic in Lawton, Oklahoma. So we were over at Fort Sill, and we, uh, uh, or we, we weren't, at, we were over at Altus, came over to Fort Sill. And then from there, we're, we're, we're in Lawton. Well, we got there, and they told us, no, that MWR had given them the wrong night for the concert, that it was going to be the next night. So I went to uh, well, we both said, okay, where are we going to go? And we went to a bar, and they had dancing and everything. And uh, I was there with a... a woman that had, we'd met at the officers club earlier in the day and uh, she and I chatted and then pretty soon she asked if I uh, would dance with with a f- no yeah oh here come the no <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you had met her the night before that's true yeah you had met her on the night that that um, you were oh. supposed to go out to the opera with but when you didn't, you met. You went to the bar and met her. Yeah. And she said to you, "Well, tomorrow night we're going to be at the pipe. What was the name of that place? Pipe Sandpiper. Pipe? Sandpiper. And uh, we'll meet you there tomorrow night." And you said, "Okay." Mm-hmm. So then, my best friend in the whole world. I was living in Oklahoma City, and my best. I used to live in Lawton, too. My dad was stationed there. And that's where I met Nancy. And then she, uh, she had been trying to get me to come to Lawton for a long time, to go out and party with her sister and friends. And I said, no, I don't want to do that because those are just guys down, those guys down there are just there for a short time, and they're not ready to make a commitment. And I've reached this point in my life where this is just not what I want to do anymore. But she kept on saying, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So, on this particular weekend, I said, okay. 
<laughs> so we went down there, and when we get there, her sister is her sister's friend is the one who met Jim the night before, and so they said, "Well, we're all going out to the Sandpiper." And um, this girl said, "And I met Jim Lightfoot last night, and he's mine." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, you know, hey, I'm down here for the day, you know." And we went to the sandpiper, the girls did, and Jim and his friend were there. And then she said to you, would you... Oh, oh would, you, would you dance? She said, well, how tall are you? I said, I'm 6'4". And she said, that's good, because I have a friend that's six feet tall. <laughs> and she had a date with a doctor last night, which, which we lie. later found out was untrue. But she said... She had a date with the doctor, and he, he had to cancel out due to an emergency at the hospital. Oh. And uh, so she doesn't have anybody to dance with. Would you be willing to dance with her? And I said, sure. And I, I was expecting, I'm trying to find a nice way of saying some lizard. Or right. <laughs> and, and anyway... Pam and I danced, and I was struck that hmm. yeah, we talked, and I, I liked the idea. Good looking. It was love at first sight. Articulate. That's he awesome. He didn't speak to that woman again the whole night. Articulate. Oh, wow. Uh, well, it wasn't the whole night. We were only there for about two hours. Yeah. Well, the, girl I, and I, the girls, we left. We hit it off just remarkably well. And pretty soon that girl reaches over and she's kind of squeezing my knee mm -hmm. and kind of doing that, I'm over here. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, uh, she was out of the picture for me. And I, I but we, one of the thing we've talked about, we laughed and laughed and laughed and we were only there for two hours and the dance floor was about the size of a postage stamp. So everybody... Dancing this, you know, and Jim and I were laughing, and it was just so ridiculous. And um, I don't know, I just felt very comfortable with him, and he did with me, and he took my number, and two weeks later we were engaged to be married. <laughs> oh, yes, I was going to say. Um, so then there's the aspect of the engagement, right? So uh, <laughs> when I, knowing the two of you, and you know, I've had this conversation with you all before, uh, you knew in two weeks that you guys were going to get married. Like it was no question. So um, how did you know? Like how did you how did you both know? I, I mean, I, I do know that you you both were. Um, you're not. You're in your mid twenties. Yeah, when I, you was guys, 20. I was I was thirty two and Pam was twenty five. Okay, yeah. So so there was a little bit of an age difference, yeah. but but how did you know that you were going to that you were going to ask her to marry you in 2 weeks? Well, at that point I when I, we first met, I didn't know it was going to happen so quickly. But uh, what developed very quickly was the idea that we had such a rapport and I had not run into that before and it was one of those things where well, they used to say on wavelengths, mm -hmm. and we were. Mm -hmm. We were just, uh, and it, it was interesting. It was the kind of thing where even if we disagreed on, say, something like politics, we could communicate 
with each other and just, uh, just it was just back and forth. And when we had a conversation, it, it just went on and on because each of us could respond. And I was impressed by the fact that Pam wasn't afraid. You know, sometimes when I'd be dating, you'd have one of these things where you just had a feeling like the other person was just agreeing to agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that wasn't it at all. And I just enjoyed being with her. And I thought, hey. Well, at the end of those two weeks, he left to go back to California. Mm -hmm. And I took him to the, the, I mean, his time here was over. So he, when I took him to the airport, I said, am I ever going to see you again? And he said, yes, I'm going to see you again. And I said, you know, California's a long time, a long way away. Jim's a struggling student, and I didn't make very much money, and traveling back and forth requires a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he got back to California that night, he called me on the phone and asked me to marry him. Oh, even cooler. A, a social media in, in engagement before it, there's uh, cell phones. <laughs> he asked you to marry her on uh, the phone. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, it just turned out that he, uh, where he was stationed, flew to Oklahoma City every yeah. week. That was, that, week? that was, yeah, about every week. They were taking their aircraft to Tinker mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for updating and repairs. And uh, I could fly cross country not only for free, but I'd get a day of active duty flying. So I was paid to fly to Tinker. Oh, awesome. And so uh, that was a nice arrangement. It was and just, it, it just worked out where everything just fell into place. You know, that, I mean, we, we didn't have that problem to worry about. So he'd come out and stay and, uh, you know, we were married after the two weeks, we were married six months later. Oh my goodness! So, <laughs> I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, six months. Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome. So we met February on February the twenty first, and then August the fourteenth we were married. Wow. Well, um, so I know faith is a is a huge portion of the two of you. Like it's a it's a it's a really strong factor in your lives. And, and I know that you both came to faith in very unique ways. Um, so just out of curiosity, because I know, were you, were you married at a church or were you married yes. at a church? Christian church? At a Christian church. Mm -hmm. in the, was this in Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, wow. Okay, so so since, because I, I know a lot about your background, Jim, in the, in the way that you were brought up in a faith and and then I know a lot about yours about how you grew up. I mean, you're a Christian church disciple. You're you're a cradle disciple in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, how did you both come into your faith? Is part one of this question, and then how did you both come to the understanding that this is the church that you wanted to come to, or the Christian church was the church that you felt the most comfortable in? So, uh, let's start with either one. I don't. Okay, um, mine. Is, is the more complicated of the, the two mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, when Pam and I met, I, I was not a Christian. 
I was agnostic and I could, uh, however, I had also been raised in a household where um, there was no disrespect for faith either. Mm. So I, d I didn't, you know, I was kind of ambivalent. You know, it was kind of, okay, Pam can be her faith, mm -hmm. I'll be mine, thank you. And uh, <clears throat> this continued for a number of years, and she would uh, remind me of uh, why I needed to change. And <laughs> well, he it, told me that he wanted our children raised as Christians, but um, he believed that Jesus Christ existed, that he was not the Son of God. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, that he lived and... Um, yeah, he had a was, good life, yeah, the Bible's a good guide, and everything. He was, he, was mm -hmm. not the Son of God, but he liked the idea that I believed it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he believed that living a Christian life was a good way to live. Mm -hmm. But uh, none of that faith stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, at, uh, I just figured he'd come around. Well, some years later, we were, uh, I was at Maxwell Air Force Base for a, a year for uh, Air Command and Staff College. And <coughs> we had where a group of us commuted from where we lived over to the base. And it started with four of us commuting. And then it was one of the guys dropped out whatever reason, and there were three, then one more, and then Rick B. Wright and I were just commuting together. And Rick is a very devout Christian and very active. And Rick asked, how's your spiritual life? And I, well, not much there because I, and I explained where I was with uh, the agnostic view and said something to the effect of, and how's that working for you? <laughs> and and we got... Jim is a real intelligent guy. Mm -hmm. And his intelligence was in the way. Mm -hmm. The good thing about Rick being the person is that Rick was extremely... He's on the level of Jim that way. Mm -hmm. So he mm -hmm. was able, you know, when, when uh, he would speak of his faith to Jim, it... Um, Resonated. It made sense to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, there was no real emotion, crazy emotion or anything like that. They were just talking. Mm -hmm. And um, that started Jim thinking. Well, it began the back, uh, a back and forth that continued for quite a while. And uh, for every question I, that he had, Rick had an Rick answer. Could answer it. He had been involved with navigators and with uh, several other programs, uh, working uh, to bring people to Christ. And I know when the f the first couple of times where he started off on some of this, I thought, "Oh boy, here we go." It was yeah, here we go, and it's a close to that feeling you get when you when when the person in the car next to you says. How's your life insurance situation? Mm -hmm. And kind of a, I recognize the value of life insurance. I recognize the importance. 
oh, don't make me be trapped in a car with somebody who wants to sell it to me. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing here with, you know, one of those where it started off with kind of, okay, be nice. He's a nice guy. Don't, you don't need to get, you know, snipe at him. But, oh, don't get rolling. And he, uh, he was very restrained. I, um, but it was one of those things where it just kind of slowly. He literally was able to reach Jim right where he was. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Right where he was, and in a and speak to Jim in the way that he needed to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. uh, and for every argument that he had, and and, and Rick wasn't the kind to go well. If that's what you believe, you know, you're just stupid, and I'm telling you the way. The right way. Mm -hmm. He, uh, Jim would come home every day and he'd say, Did you know this and such or whatever? You know, and I'd say, Well, yes. <laughs> and that's about all I'd say mm -hmm. because I was afraid I would ruin it. Well, that, that, that speaks something to your faith. So, how, how did you come to faith? Well, uh, I was always, I always did. I had, my mother is a, was a really wonderful believer, and my mother sent us, not sent us, but took us to Sunday school, and we had vacation Bible school, and all of that when I was little. I knew when I was six years old that I knew who Jesus Christ was. I knew him. Uh, I talked to him. I prayed to him. I knew who he was even at six years old. But the older I got, the more I turn my back on him and I wanted to have fun and um, you know go to bars and dance and <laughs> do things and live a little bit on the wild side and uh, but uh, I've said this in Sunday school a number of times when I'm teaching if I had even after I, I, I met Jim I mean I, I was a Christian but I wasn't a very good Christian Nobody would ever look at me and say, well, there goes a Christian. Hmm. Um, in fact, they'd be surprised, probably, to hear me even say that. Um, that's one of the things when we came back to Perry, I thought, people are going to remember. And I was sort of on a wild side, you know. But um, I said in Sunday school, I said, uh, I'd have gone to heaven, but my coattails would have been on fire. <laughs> and I still sort of kind of feel that way because I don't think that I am particularly, you know, a, a great example. If a person was going to use, they would not use me as an example. I disagree probably. with that. Yeah, boy. But um, I try. Uh, I, I know who Jesus Christ is. Um, sometime, well, when we went to Alabama... Uh, Jim and I were, um, he didn't feel this way, but I felt like we were close to divorce. Our youngest son was two years old, and I didn't uh, want to go to Alabama with him, really. And he was working on his dissertation, and um, we would be moving to Alabama um, in seven months. Mm. And he needed to finish the dissertation before we so I left California and came left lived in Perry for seven months. Philip was two. And um, in that time, I thought, well, this is great 
because we're going to be separated for a number of months and then we'll, it'll just gradually kind of go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the marriage would end, you know, and uh, Jim never had that feeling. No. And um, when it came time to, as it came closer and closer to going to Alabama, I was would make sounds like, well, I'm not going to go with you. You go down there. Because it was just a year that he would be there, which would be a further time of separation and mm -hmm. possibly a split. And... Um, he said, no, you're going to Alabama. So finally, as it got closer and closer, I, I just had a, I just spoke to God right out, right, you know, I got to, we, I got to I talk to you, Lord, about this because I don't want to do this. Yeah. And um, I got the feeling that God spoke to me and said, you need to go with your husband. So I made a deal with God. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll go with him, but you have to bring him to the Lord, and um, you have to make me fall in love with him all over again. Mm. And that's the year Jim became a Christian, and I fell in love with Jim again. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. It is. So I... And he's never, it's never been the same since between mm. us. It's always been... Uh, I mean, we're both very, very much aware of that, you know. I think it's, I've always, I always loved your guys' relationship because you, you all, you two always seem to have fun even when you're not. Like you two really, really make through that. I, I think of back when, when Jim had his heart surgery and even though it was terrifying, yeah. you know, <laughs> even in that moment there was, there was never a, a fear or anxiety, just the fear and anxiety of being separated. Like you go into the doctor's room, yeah. and we all had to sit out in the waiting room. Like there was a little bit of a moment of hesitation. I don't want to leave away from Pam. Like that was, you are very, very connected. So one of the things that I always find when I'm working with couples is is the, the, the overall question is, is, how did you celebrate the good times? And vice versa, how did you work through those bad times like even I know you had a conversation with God but there's still there's still something that we have to do in order to make those things work so how did, how did you celebrate the good times let's start there well uh, one of the one of the good times when I was in graduate school one of the problems that we had was no money right and we weren't quite at the thing where we're surviving on on top ramen, but we well, were we were darn close. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember one time we just got to get out of Riverside and uh, go somewhere, and we decided to go up to Death Valley. Remember that one? And we uh, we well, this will be fun. We'll go to Death Valley and up to um, Mount Whitney and uh, just enjoy that that long weekend out. And we, this was early on in our marriage. Yes, very early. And we we went over there, and I, I had a little VW bug, and we just 
drove over. Nothing broke. <laughs> and uh, we didn't we, have any money. We didn't have any, and we stayed at some motel that uh, it, it was clean, but it wasn't first string. Mm -hmm. We had a ball on that trip. We did. And it, <laughs> well, just a whole lot of things. I, I remember. It's in the top five of the things we've done. We, st we stopped one time. Uh, needed gas. Mm -hmm. We're filling up the gas tank. And at that time, the old VWs, you had to lift the hood to get to the gas tank. Right, right. And Pam taps on the window. And I looked in, she goes and points across the street. And I look. Do you remember hot pants? Oh, yes. I know what hot pants are, yeah. And there was a girl coming out of the bar wearing hot pants. And... They, now, there's, keep in mind, there's an attendant also at the, the gas station. And he, he uh, said, take a look. And, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And the guy said, you got your wife pointing them out for you? <laughs> and and Pam, Pam looks over at him and says, I only pointed it out because he never misses a money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to miss it. Hey, that's awesome. Well, he almost ran off the road uh, on our maybe our honeymoon. Yeah, looking at a girl in red pants walking down the road. It'll do that. It'll, it'll do that. <laughs> that. Driving on the road. That could have been God, also. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. But no, it doesn't. It never bothered me. But good times, we've we've had a lot of things, uh, and there are good times too, like with family, good times, uh, well, they're just, they're, there have been a lot of them, and a lot of them is uh, a matter of choice, that people can decide whether they want it to be a good time or yeah. just want to uh, have a complaint. And I think we've both had an inclination toward looking at the good side. Well, yeah, we talked about that earlier, too, that marriage is a choice. Um, you decide to, when you get married, I think that's the reason I've told people why, why, you, have to, why you stand in front of everybody and pledge yourself to them. It, uh, you know, judges have to do it. President of the United States does it. Something about saying those words makes out loud to God and everybody makes that important to you, or it does to me. Mm -hmm. You know, you pledge yourself to this man for the rest of your life. And when you first get married, you don't know what that means. Nobody knows what that. If you knew what that meant, uh, <laughs> you. A lot of people probably wouldn't get married. Right. But um, the longer you're married, you realize that, um, yeah, you made this promise to each other, and you're going to make this work. And we have a lot of respect for one another. Mm -hmm. I just like him a whole lot. I mean, I'm in love with him, but I like him. It's true. We, we both have that feeling. He cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't, I could not even 
think I've told Jim this many times, you know, even in our tough times, which we haven't had too many, thankfully, but um, if I think too long on not being with him, I'll cry. Mm. I, uh, you know, sometimes I want him to go to his office and uh, we can spend two or three days from one another and sometimes that's not, that's a good thing, uh, some space. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, two, three days is about the length of the amount of space we need. And, um, That's worked out more than, you know, I, I don't want to be arguing with him. Uh, you know, very important not to name call. Never, never has Jim ever called me a name and either have I called him. Or, yeah. It's just not mm -hmm. been good. I had been married before, and uh, it was... A remarkable difference from what Pam and I have. Uh, my ex-wife is a person who is very bright. She's uh, been willing to leave her home to come all the way to the United States to go to, to, to college. She had positive features, but then there was a negative that I was blind to when we got married and she wanted her way and if she didn't get it she could go up to two weeks without speaking to me mm. and I couldn't deal with it and it uh, it was not fun and so when Pam and I it's interesting to me we were married for about what two years when we had when Pam was so somewhat tearful. Well, you were very tearful, I think. It's our first argument. And I was sitting there, having remembered my former marriage. That's an argument. Mm -hmm. It was a minor disagreement. But that's, no, that, you want to see an argument. Well, I know my ex connected on my head with a bat one time that shattered the glasses mm -hmm. and at that point you have a little different perspective mm -hmm. on what an, what is or is not but thankfully we we have never had any incidents like like that or, well, or that arguments or, yeah so how did you deal with how, how do you work through them like a lot of, a lot of couples today uh you know Let's just be honest. A lot of young couples today, or any couple for that matter, when it, the t the tough starts happening, they just they just leave. I know. So, and I'm just, and 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 again, there's sometimes sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's the safest because they don't go into the relationship like you two did. You know, yeah. this. Uh, so how how do you deal with those moments in the in the aspect of a dis disagreement when you disagree on something? Make it as simple as disagreeing on where we go eat dinner for if that helps but yeah. out of curiosity how how do you deal with disagreement i think that we we do disagree i mean yeah. this is not one of the whenever i meet somebody who says my wife and i have never had a disagreement mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, baloney. Well, we had a disagreement the other day where the garage sale was, remember? Yeah. And we, we Jim always thinks he knows everything. <laughs> I do not. He, he thinks he knows everything. And he, he's a, he is pretty right about that. But there are times when I do know what what's up, you know. And um, I said that garage sale was right here. And he said, no, it wasn't. It's down there. It was down there. And I said, no, it wasn't. And then he insisted it was. You know, It was that back and forth. Mm-hmm. And finally I said it to him, like, don't say that again. <laughs> <laughs> it was not down there. So we are driving down there. right? That's the way the car is getting us home. And sure enough, it was down there. Where he was. Where he said it was. Uh-huh, right. And then so we sat I'm there for... biting my tongue. Right. Yes, right. he is. And uh, me too. And so we get around just a couple more blocks, and then we just laughed about it. Well, I'm, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm re- reminded yeah. if I can take a diversion away from the, the, the wedding one. When I was a kid, my dad uh, well, was with, with my folks in Macon, Georgia, and we were visiting one of my dad's cousins. And he said, well, do you want to go see the, the uh, new subdivision I'm developing? And my dad said, well, that'd be fine. And they invited me along, and I was probably 10 at the time. And I remember my dad... Uh, looked over and saw that there were a lot of laborers there and all were white. And he asked him, how come no colored people here? Which was the acceptable term at that point. Mm -hmm. And the cousins said, well, the federal government can't make me hire. And the N-word floated out. And and just he launched on how that was not going to happen. About five years later, we're there visiting, and um, once again, he, hey, you want to go out? We've do- got a new development going. Let me show you what we're doing. And my dad's okay. So we went along. About half the employees were black. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, well, you see, this looks like a little change in the view on colored people. And cousin, cousin Marion turned to my dad and said, you know, Mitchell, I was wrong. Mm. That's a huge... Well, here I was about 15 at that point. And I I started to open my mouth to, to say, I guess my dad told you. Mm-hmm. And my dad, one of those rare moments in life where he shot a look at me. And I think that a lot of people... I don't know if it's... You know, you've had where... Your dad can shoot a look at you. It only happens a few times in a lifetime for mm-hmm. most. And say nothing. Say nothing. Shut up and don't do any more. And afterwards, my dad said, I didn't want you to, to say anything because he'd already said I was wrong. Mm. And all you would have done is make it where he would have to backtrack and put, you know, you, you would have hurt him. 
Right. And you don't need to do that. So when somebody agrees with you, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. And I think Pam and I have had that. You know, we've, we've both learned that over various things and I, I think when we do do hit agreement it's not time to go I told you right and, <laughs> right and it's or, hard or the other way around we do do exactly that occasionally too. of course you got to have yeah. those moments yeah. it's something because that's also fun it can also be fun as yeah. long as it's in jest right yeah. not to hurt or dishonor the other person yeah no didn't go around trying to hurt one another's feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, we valued um, my brothers and sisters and our mother and dad. And um, it wasn't okay to hurt anybody's feelings on purpose. It's not okay. And um, my dad was a little hard, but my, uh, but my mother was the... And my dad was softer than he let on. Tough sergeant major, and um, a lot of you know we saw a lot of that, but um, you know tear up thinking about my dad. He really was a softy. It really was. Yeah, well, and I think the thing we learned from our our parents is what to do and what not to do, mm -hmm. right? Where he might have been soft, we might have been hard or where he was hard we might have been soft on and some it's the balance that we use when it comes to our kids so as we're talking since we're switching a little bit and we're talking about our parents and our children you know one of the things about being a part of the christian church is baptism and, and i want to go back to one of the things that you said jim was um that you wanted your kids to be brought up in a church yes and so one of the very first things that we do in church is talk about baptism, especially with young people, because it's a rite of passage uh, for us, or it used to be. We, we don't do a great job of it now. But um, So what, what does baptism mean to each of you? Well, to me, it, when I was baptized, it really didn't mean that much. Mm. It, was a, it was a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. I could take communion now. Right. That was my next question, is if you yeah. get to take communion then. And um, and even communion, I didn't truly understand what that was. I just didn't want to be left out of that. Right. So um, even, even at my age, they didn't do a very good job of teaching that. Um, and I wish they had. Uh, I mean, I just, uh, when I became a Christian, when I, I was I was already a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, the, the baptism didn't make me a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, all uh, I I didn't understand what it meant at nine years old to be baptized. I was talking to Jim about it. <clears throat> all I remember was I was terrified to go into water, mm. and um, and it was a rite of passage that meant that I was a Christian, but I was already. a Mm -hmm. uh, and then probably until I was until after Jim and I were married and we were living in Alabama did I realize what communion was I mean I just took it it was passed around and I, we just took it and I knew that it was the body of Christ and 
Um, but I just, okay. it didn't really mean a lot to me, what it means to me now. <laughs> and I just think a lot of that is that I stayed a baby in Christ a long, long time. <laughs> um, and didn't really grow. And um, my brother and I were talking about that this last weekend or a weekend ago. Uh, my, my brother would love to take somebody from beginning to end to Christ. And I told him, well, if there are very few people in the world get to that privilege. Right. All you're really going to be able to do, and you need to get used to that idea, is plant the seeds. And um, he looked at me really strangely, you know, he was a late bloomer too. Late, he's another one that would go to uh, heaven with his coattails on fire. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I wasn't always a preacher. Not I can relate. Not quite as bad yeah. as uh, me. He, Tim was more um, straight arrow fellow. But um, he, I said, you have to realize that their people are different places in their walk. Uh, and uh, you have to be able to reach them where they are. And if you can plant that seed, uh, the next person will come along and plant another seed. And that's the way That's the way it's mostly done, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. And um, it would be great if you could do that, lead somebody all the way to the end. Uh, but you probably won't. Right. It's very rare. Yeah, and he is, he even wants to so badly. He wants to just convert everybody right away. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> he was hard-headed about being becoming a Christian, too. Oh, and, and he was a Christian. I hate to say that he had became a Christian because what happened with him, he was raised in the same family I was, so he knew who Jesus Christ was. But he was, he like me, stayed in a certain spot and didn't move out of it. Right. And then, and I asked him, I was telling Jim, and Jim was there, I said, don't you remember, Tim, when you came to know, really know who Christ was, I mean, you knew who he was, but when you really came to know him, I said, didn't you feel him? Mm. He's going, come here. Come on, come here. I'm here for you. Come mm. here. And I said, you, you've got to know that you didn't do that on your own. You didn't come to Christ by yourself. Mm -hmm. You were, he drew you to him. Don't you? And I said, that's what happens you know, with other people, too. Mm -hmm. It's coming, they, they come, a lot of people come fairly, pretty slow. Um, and that's that old devil. Mm -hmm. Anybody that doesn't believe that he's out there, walk in the planet is insane, you know, to not know that every ten, you know, every step you take, he's going to try to move you back ten. Um, that's, that's, that's something hmm. you know as you, the the more you know Christ, you see, you get to visit with the devil a little bit too. Right. And um, it's just going to be able to recognize who he is. 
just like you recognize who Jesus Christ is. You have to recognize when that devil is. And mm -hmm. that's something that I didn't understand early on. So when, when we talk about a conversion of faith or an understanding of that, baptism, I know, Jim, is a different conversation for you because you, you didn't grow up with this idea that well, you didn't have the same experience that Pam did, so... Well, no, I did not. My uh, my mother was... My dad had virtually no faith. My mother said she was Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it was one of those things where that's the right thing to do mm. more than being devout about it. And... Um, when, when I was born, it was in 1944, so the war was going on, and uh, Mom decided to wait until after my dad got back to have me baptized. So once my dad was back, I, I was baptized and had no recollection, of course, of it at all. It was infant baptism. Mm -hmm. um, Would this have been through the Episcopal Church? That's correct. Okay. And... Uh, so, you know, with that one, of course, there's no particular recollection, but it was just interesting from a family standpoint of that it happened. Mm -hmm. And I am reminded of an exchange student we had from Norway that spoke about, you know, christening and so on. And, and it, the, the family had no relationship whatsoever with the church, but that's what you do in Norway when you reach the right age. Just be christened. Yeah, christened, and um, I don't think they bothered with confirmation anymore. Well, they mind. Catholics do. Well, I mean, his with his... I know, but... But anyway, on, on mine, the, the baptism was much... Uh, the I had an immersion baptism, and along with Philip. Oh, Stephen. Oh, Stephen, I'm sorry. So you and Stephen got baptized together? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. You were fully immersed? Where was this at? Was this in Alabama? That's uh, correct. I think it would, might have been, we were trying to remember. Yeah. It's, it's one of those funny it's things. It's been over where, 40 years ago. No, so. but I, I didn't realize that you and Stephen had been baptized together. Uh -huh. Like, I, I knew that Philip had been immersed. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that Stephen and you had done it together. That's, uh -huh. that's a whole different thing for me. So uh, he would have been what? In his teenage years? Uh, probably 10. Probably about 10. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. And were you, were you attending a Christian church at that time? We had, uh, yes, we had been. It was the uh, First Baptist Church in um, uh, Riverside, I think. Was it? No, could well, this, this is See, one of this those. This is so weird. That we were talking about it, and uh, it was after he became a Christian. Yeah, and it's it's. He did, wasn't uh, baptized right away, you know, when he in Alabama. So it had to have been. And I do remember there was I a just don't remember discussion on, do you, can you go through baptism if you've already been baptized once before, and yeah, had that little thing where they said, oh yeah, you can do this. Because that one was a different denomination or whatever. Right. In the Christian church, we acknowledge your previous baptism, 
and that when you when you get immersed, it's supposed to be something that you choose to do, not that you feel obligated or the church is making you do. Right. Well, and the and an interesting thing is that we when we were having this discussion earlier was one of exactly when did this occur and who did it and it was kind of was it, was it wait a minute was it this one no that was with philip that was when yeah. philip and i could not and cannot remember precise details of the baptism because the um the baptism to me had been an act uh it, it's an in well it's more a personal thing it's well, not the it's, baptism itself yeah it, it's it, yeah. it it's at your public admission to the public that you have been baptized yeah. it but the real baptism was between him and the lord mm -hmm. and, and that he remembers remembers but sure. not the baptism itself yeah you know, the actual conversion is one thing but the the baptism and it's 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 not at all like it was anticlimactic. It wasn't that at all. It just was one of those things where, okay, this is the you know step. This is what you do next. Next step, boom, check. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put checklist on it. Mm -hmm. And um, was it during a worship service? Yes. So that brings me kind of in my as I'm doing my research. You know, so baptism means something different to a lot of people and. Yeah. The fact that you two have this very interconnected, interwoven relationship with God and, and, and things of that nature. So what is it that you both, or maybe individually, love about worship? What, like, what's the one thing that you have to have in the midst of worship today? And it might be different for both of you. It might be, it might be the same, but uh, just to give you an example. So some people uh, can't live a week without the pastoral prayer. Um, some people can't live a week without communion or the hymns or the fellowship or even if it's the the sermon. But whatever those things are, those those pieces, uh, they feel as though their week is not complete without dot, dot, dot. So what would that be for you? Um, I, I think one of, one of the big things for me is learning. Mm -hmm. What have I learned? From this, which is why I have enjoyed teaching the class, mm -hmm. because that's uh, what's well, a good thing, because it, it gets me in the word, and it also it also forces me to to read what I'm going to be talking about, and get a get a little more immersed in it, because uh, I I think I am a. a fairly typical human being in the aspect of, well, I'll do it tomorrow, mm -hmm. and, I, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, mm -hmm. and having that deadline. The discipline made for you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and has, has been very helpful. So I like to, I like to do something in, well, and I, I, I know I always enjoy the, the sermons, uh, we're going to do specificity on that. Mm -hmm. It, uh, I like the. I, I'm a history buff, mm -hmm. so I I like uh, 
the, the ones that well, Acts is a wonderful part of the Bible. Right. <laughs> you can go through and say, okay, this happened, this mm-hmm, happened, this mm-hmm. happened. And, uh, and uh, I, I like parables, too. So when you're at Matthew 13 or mm-hmm. whatever, you can say, oh, there's a whole collection of them. And, That's right. It just, uh, but uh, the historic aspect is always one, and there's something that pulls out. Got got to be something that, uh, well, I really enjoy the ones where I get something new out of it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Pam? Well, I like the whole service. Usually the service just flies by for me. You know, and I, we're moving step to step to step through the service. Um, there's not anything about the service that I don't like, um, but I, I particularly, of all of it, like the singing and the, um, uh, sermon. And I don't know, I like this sermon to be a, um, teaching thing, uh, to make you think about, about it, so that when you walk out the door, it isn't just over for you. Right. Like to uh, think on it a while, and um, even through the week, uh, I have had, you know, been in church when that whole the thing just stays with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm like Jim. I like, uh, especially since I started teaching since we've been here, um, which gets me in the Word. It uh, gets me into the history of it because I've known him a long time now. I like for the serve when you're learning, uh, reading the Bible, or having a Sunday school lesson, is that you just don't start the lesson. You know, it just, okay, this is it. Here's what we're learning today. Uh, be kind to one another and uh, quote a few scriptures and stuff like that. I want to have the history. Where are you? Where are we in this lesson? What's just happened before? Why is this happening? You know, why, why are we reading about this today? Is because last week we were here, you know, and now we've moved. Now we've moved, stepped forward, and we're into this other day or whatever, or three hundred years before, or, and so that people can see the time frame. To me, that never. I never really had that. Uh, until recent years, it seems like. So that's been really interesting for me, is to get out the maps and see where you are, mm-hmm. uh, and why, we are, why we've arrived at that place, and then what happens uh, this time, and then how do you apply that to today? Because a lot of people want to just, uh, well, that's what happened then, mm-hmm. and that doesn't relate to Yeah. Well, I'm speaking of relating to today. I'm, I find it fun when, when I'm looking at something to say, hey, wait a second. This is occurring 2,000 years ago. And now, what do we have? Where an example is one that when I was uh, in, in Washington, 
used to have a lot of meetings and the meetings would have X number of people there. And there was one of the programs that we had uh, that was one where uh, IDEF, which I have no idea what the acronym was about, but it was one where they said, okay, we've, we've done a lot of research and the right number of people to have at a gathering or a meeting like this, it has to be between, you got to have at least nine to get a critical mass and no more than 15 because then you, it, it gets to where nobody gets to say or it just gets into a jumble. Right. So 12 would be about perfect. Mm-hmm. And you go, 12, where have I run into that before? <laughs> <laughs> and, That's funny. And then... Uh, okay, now when you're going out working on this, you need to you need to do this in pairs. Mm. Where have I run in to send them out in pairs? Mm. No, I was not told to go barefoot. <laughs> well, you know that's probably a good sign. But but it was it it is interesting when you look and you think there's an awful lot here that two thousand years later somebody's going hey. I've made a discovery. It's amazing how that works. Well, the the sowers, for example, this, the parable about the sowers, until I taught that, I never even, I remember reading the part about the three, uh, 30 or 60 or 100 fold. Mm-hmm. Never meant anything to me. Mm-hmm. Until, and I thought, wait a minute. It's up to me how it, what I receive. Mm-hmm. How, what am I going to get out of this? 30, 60, or 100? Well, I want the 100%. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, I remember when I taught that I, uh, in my Sunday school class, uh, and, and I revealed that. I said, I don't know about you, but that's what I want. You know, when I, if, if, I can, if I can get it, if you can get it, why wouldn't you want that? Why would you say, well... I'll just um, take 30% of this and mm-hmm. uh, forget it. <laughs> I don't want I'm to. okay with a little over half. Yeah. You know, right. That, right. to me, was, well, the first time I uh, read it and it got me. Mm-hmm. And I liked the, and, and since I was teaching, um, been teaching, that's happened to me over and over and over again. Because I thought, how come you didn't ever see that before? You know, why didn't. That whole thing never registered. So I like to do kind of like that. Well, I wish I had Pam's skill at teaching. Because she's the one that's, I think part of that is our backgrounds. That you, you went into teaching from training to be a teacher and doing that. I, uh, I went in because I like the research. Right. Um... The unpleasant part about doing any of the teaching is things like grading papers. <laughs> uh, that, that's a sermon all by itself, yeah. man. I, I mean, I'm just saying. So, well, uh, well, Pam uh, is is much better at, at doing class, you know, teaching in a class. I'm afraid I'm in that category that well, I'm, I'm reminded when I was in grad school at UCLA, the uh, uh, 
somebody speaking one time about that when the university was looking at promotions, classroom was not even a factor. And and it showed mm -hmm. because we had a lot of faculty members, a lot of them, well, most of them were very good, but we had more than a handful that uh, should never have been in a classroom. <laughs> Taught by a um, an accountant. Egyptian. The account first was the accountant. Oh. I had to get out of there. I could not learn from that man. Mm -hmm. And he was an accountant. What I learned from was an Egyptian. Who taught accounting? Boom, 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 boom in the head. Uh, not, you know, the theory. With that, <laughs> right? You gotta get down to now. Look here. This this, this is, is what where, we do. This is where the stuff is that you need to know. And when the, this guy was, you couldn't understand him because he had such a thick accent too. He was the best teacher I ever had in accounting. And uh, you had to come. You had to photocopy your homework. You know, and you turned in. First thing you did was turn the homework in. And then he looked. Then he went over it with you, not with me looking at your what you did, so that you could fix it there. But because you was going to get graded on what you what you didn't know, not on what you did know. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, if you didn't do it, he would humiliate you in class. Oh my goodness! If you did not copy your work, so you did not, and then. You didn't ever wait for him to, um, uh, if you didn't understand something, then you were to put, your hand was to go up right then. If you waited till he got 10 steps beyond and said, wait, I, and he had to go back, he wanted to stop, he wanted you to stop him right when it was critical to know. Because everything that he explained from that point on, you were lost. That's right. So he wanted, and I did that one time, and boy, did he rake me over the coal. He raked anybody. He, the men in class cried, you know. He was so humiliating. But what it taught you was, uh, of course, you know, that's the way the culture is. When you, what it taught me was, you better be ready. Mm -hmm. You better know what you did and why. Mm -hmm. When he calls on you, so that, uh, and you better have your paper there, and you better be paying attention. And I learned more in that. Now, I did not, I'm not that kind of a teacher where I um, humiliate. humiliate yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's you. I, I think it's fascinating that when we both start talking about worship, all three of us automatically go to the educational side. For us, it's the learning, it's the teaching, it's, yeah. for us, that is worship. Yes. That that moment of study is a place of connection with God. Absolutely. And That's correct. So with that being for us, because the three of us are very similar in that way, um, did you have do you have a favorite season of the year? I know these are cheesy questions at this point, no. but in, in my mind, is there a favorite season of the year? Because if ours is an intellectual journey, I I struggle with this. Like in my other interviews, uh, they they're like, Oh, what's your favorite? Well, I'll say the 
Christmas because as a singer, there was always better times to sing. It's not a whole lot of Easter solos. There's a lot of Christmas ones. But what, what's your what's your choice? Mine. This, this is very. I'm 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 searching for a religious connection on my desire with this. I like summer. Because oh yeah. You can get out and do things. Right. Experience and, the creation. Well, yeah, and uh, like right now, uh, well, Pam and I like to walk, mm-hmm. and. You know, if it's 104 degrees out, we're not going walking. Mm-hmm. But most of the summer, there are points in the day when you can go walking. Right now, for example, when it's wet and 45 degrees, I'm just not real anxious to go stepping down, you mm-hmm. know, doing anything. So uh, fall and spring are nice, but summer I like and it's one of the reasons why when we were out visiting Hawaii, I said, I, c- I could do this year round. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I would say spring. And I think that's an excellent time to teach children about God, about the rebirth and all of that. Um, I know when Philip was about four years old, we were riding along and all of it, everything was, the landscape, you know, was all turning different shades of green. And, and I said to Philip, just look at that color. Look at all the different shades of green. Mm-hmm. And just just in that spot that we're looking at, I said, you know, God could have made everything in black and white. He made it in color as a gift for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was it so big a deal for him, but for us. And uh, I said, you know, how would you like to look at that through black and white, you know? And... Uh, and look at all the different colors. You, said, you know, you, you could try to recreate that. And a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. We can't do it. Nothing is more beautiful. You can see beautiful paintings, beautiful pictures even. But just to look at it and how gorgeous it is. And that it's a gift to, for our eyes. It's beautiful. And he was very... Uh, hmm. Yeah. Very, so... Since, you, since we, we tend to stay on the academic, intellectual track when it comes to our faith, do you have a favorite scripture? Something that sticks out in your mind? I wrote it down. And this is, this is my mother. And oddly enough, you, you um, preached on it this week. Oh, and for Matthew. Oh, uh, Philippians? Philippians. Oh, Philippians. Philippians. Maybe a week ago. Uh, yeah. Finally, brothers. Philippians. Finally, brothers, and I, and I, it was funny because when I looked it up, I've underlined it. I haven't done a lot of underlining in my book, in my Bible, but I have did this one. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And my mother was, uh, one of her favorite things was to you when you felt badly, so. Uh, I think happy thoughts. Mm. Just think of happy thoughts. Mm. And I, you know, 
my hair didn't do right, and, and you don't even work with it, work with it, and work with it, and you never do right. And my mother said, well, at least it's clean. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. That's the way she was. Yeah, that's that's. She, I love how that happens. <laughs> how about you, Jim? Or is it? Are you going to just give the Josh Bell answer and say I like it all? Yeah. Oh, you wrote that. Uh, some things, yeah. Well, let's see. Then I I could give you the one of. I I read through the Bible and to see what I had underlined. And then I reread it to see why I hadn't underlined the rest of it. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> and, uh, I'm, You've already mentioned X in Matthew, the yeah, parables. Yeah. And uh, th those are favorite ones for me. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't tend to have anything more. I, I'm not good at quoting because I've never had. The, the kind of memory that, that can um, play it back. Right. Which is, it's one reason why we, we learned early on when I was in the school play that, no, little Jimmy doesn't learn the exact, <laughs> he gets the concept, but he doesn't learn the exact words. I can relate to that completely. I and, it's it's one reason I'm not in Hollywood now. <laughs> uh, I understand. I, I I feel your pain on that. So I, we're we're kind of coming to a, an end of the conversation, and I really enjoy this kind of back and forth between the relationship and our faith journey. And I know the church has played a huge part in your relationship. And yeah. as we get kind of the, to the close of the interview, I'm really curious because you have lived such an eclectic, um, beautiful life. What would be some advice that you might give to a young couple starting out? Two things come to mind. One is think about where you're going. To, you know, see what, have a plan. And another one is, uh, in, if it's involving relationships, stick it out. Mm. Because... I see so many people where uh, they, they get married when everything is going right and then end, end of first argument is end of marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's just not good because everybody's going to have some sort of disagreement. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I would say what I said earlier. Think about what forever means. Uh, it's not your six months relationship, your two weeks that you knew one another uh, mm -hmm. yeah. before you get engaged, or even if you were together seven years before you get married. Uh, forever is a long time. Uh, however, on the other hand, we've been married 43 Four. years, 44 years? 43, 44. 43, 44 years. Yeah. It seems like a blip. Wow. It just doesn't seem, I can't, I don't know how we got here. You know, it just seemed like, you know, I remember yeah. my mother and dad saying that. Uh, you know, time pass, passes quickly and um, it just, time goes by really fast. And then when you have kids, you think uh, it's going to, that's going to be a point that lives forever. Mm-hmm. 
because you are with these kids every day and you think, oh my gosh, are they ever going to grow up? And then I'll blip they are. <laughs> and um, I didn't realize, and I guess you can relate children and marriage together, but I did not realize that both of my boys, when they turned 18 years old, was the very last time they lived at home. Mm. I did not realize that that was going to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. And in those times of being when things seem tough and you can't stand these kids and how can you stand them when they're teenagers and stuff. I mean, I guess it's the same things when between the two people is that it doesn't last. It, uh, they're gone and they never come back to you. Mm-hmm. Then they get married and have children and... They've got their world. You see them even less. That's right. That's right. And it's... Um, Take advantage of the time together instead of uh, be good to each other. My dad used to say that to us every time we left his house. Be good to each other. That's beautiful. I think that's wonderful advice. I think I really appreciate I appreciate your time and the conversation. Um, and I and I just want to say thank you very much for participating in this with me. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you.